we needed to go through that process to learn because those are very important lessons we learned that will be absolutely valuable as we grow our business. So I, I, I really wouldn't change anything, but uh, probably I will have put our product in the market a bit earlier. Welcome to Babson Bill, where we showcase Babson founders and entrepreneurs, people who have tried, failed, and tried again. They're the change makers, the disruptors, the hustlers, and the builders. These are their stories. On this week's episode of Babson Built, I sat down with Babson's second-year MBA candidate, Juan Giraldo, co-founder of Waku. Waku is an herbal infusion beverage made from herbs and flowers sourced from the Andes Mountains. Based on a traditional recipe found in Ecuador, Waku started as just a concept a little over a year ago and is now projected to do six figures in sales this year. In our conversation, Juan shares his entrepreneurial journey and what it means to have a sustainable business that is helping rural farmers in Ecuador and exploding in popularity here in Boston. Please enjoy my conversation with co-founder of Waku, Juan Geraldo. Yeah, so I was born and raised in Quito, Ecuador. Pretty much all my life there till I was 17 years old and I finished high school where when I left home to go to study French and to study college in Belgium. I repeated my senior year of high school in Belgium to learn French. And then I did one year of studies of economics in Louvain-la-Nef. After that, went back to Ecuador. Didn't really work out to stay there the entire college period. But then went back to Ecuador where um, I started my college career for doing business. And I did one study abroad program while I was an undergrad where I did one year in Coastal Carolina University in South Carolina here in the U.S. And then went back to Ecuador and finished and got my degree there. And after that, I stayed working in Ecuador for four years till I started my MBA here in Babson. So what was the nature of the job that you had before? So it's been pretty much all about entrepreneurship. So I started my first business right after I came back from Europe. I started, it was an event planning company and a bit of advertising as well. We were focused on musical events and we would tie these events to sell sponsorships to brands and then to create uh, music clinics, we used to call it, for uh, local electronic producers. That business, I, it was a lifestyle business. I ran it for three years before I moved to the U.S. for my study abroad program. And my partner took it over and bought it from me and um, he continued after that one. After I did my year in the U.S., I kind of saw an opportunity in um, online shopping clubs, a business model that was very, very successful in that time, started in France and expanded throughout the world and basically was a model where you set up an e-commerce platform and provide a service to fashion brands to sell their overstock within your platform are a very, at a very high discount. Um, so very interesting business because you solve a problem for the brands that are actually um, trying to get rid of their overstock. You solve a problem for the consumer because they, have ac- they can access high-level brands at a very high discount price. And so we were offering that service. Um, I saw that that was booming around the world and there was nothing similar in the region, in the Andean region in South America. So um, after my year in the U.S., went back home, raised some money and started this company. It it was probably one of the best uh, 
periods of my life and one of the most challenging ones because the business ended up um, going bankrupt. Um, it was We were not the right team to do it and it was not the right timing to do it either. Um, but it brought a bunch of lessons that now have been very useful for starting a new company. Did that for almost two years. Obviously, we expanded it, but in, at the end, it didn't up uh, not working out. But uh, we recruited a very strong board of directors in that company in Ecuador. And the president of the board, actually, after that, recruited me to be the CEO of one of his companies. He owns an IT group in Ecuador, Colombia, and Peru. And one of his companies that was focused on services, both education and consulting around Oracle software, um, did not have a leader at that moment. Um, so he brought me in basically to manage the turnaround of the company. The, the company was losing money for the past three years. And then uh, I started managing it um, and we grew it. We grew the team. We tripled the team. We grew on sales almost 5x in three years. And we started making money right after I got in. Within this company, it was a very cool process because the board allowed me to do many, many changes. And one of them was that I saw that the education line of business was not able to continue to grow in Ecuador due to the size of the market. And the only way to keep growing would be to try to expand into other countries in Latin America. Um, through a partnership, we started selling in Peru and we established offices there. But still, we could not grow at the pace that we wanted to grow. Um, so we saw an opportunity on putting all these um, courses that we were selling around Oracle database online on demand and start pushing it, pushing them out in Latin America. This project ended up, ended up being a spin-off from our original company. So we established it as a separate entity and uh, we, brought in a, we brought in a younger team. We won uh, several entrepreneurship contests in the region. And we scaled it to a point where we had um, customers from 10 different countries in Latin America before I left that company for coming here to the U.S. So uh, it's been al almost, I would say, an entire journey of entrepreneurship, except of this part that I was managing the turnaround of the company that I really felt it was like an entrepreneurial venture because uh for me, it was a restart. The company had 15 years already established, but we changed it all. I mean, we rebranded it, we hired new people, we opened new lines of businesses, and we expanded geographically. So it was a, a very high growth um, company experience and uh, that I really liked. So what was the decision behind leaving? It seems like you had, a, you had a pretty good thing going. Obviously, it's not your venture, but... What made you take that leap of faith? So yeah, so uh, I've always wanted to do my MBA in Babson. Back in the day in, when I was 19 years old that I started doing business, I, I really thought, all right, this is what I love in life. Uh, I was lucky to find that uh, this is literally what I want to do all my life. So when I was doing research back then, I saw that Babson was widely known because of the entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship education. So uh I said, okay, right now, undergrad, it's impossible to do it there, but let's get everything ready to go there for my MBA. And I've been, all my life, I've been doing business, so I knew that my career was going to be in business. So I had very clear since early on, and um, I just wanted to get into a point where I would have value to add to my class. And I, I felt it was the right moment to just come here and explore other options. Um, I kind of wanted to get out of tech because I understood that in the tech industry in Ecuador, I would never be able to scale a company globally because we don't really have that much quality of engineering in, in South America. If you, if, if you want to find a world-class engineer, 
you probably go to Caltech or MIT or even India, but uh, we, we really do not have that in Ecuador. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to get out of tech and focus on another industry where being in Ecuador could be a competitive advantage. Um, so, yeah, that was part of the plan. Coming, coming to Babson was part of the plan. So you went from tech, which is pretty competitive, to beverage, which is probably one of the most competitive markets you could get into. You're... You're new in the U.S., you know, you're, you're new to this vertical. Why did you pick beverage and what gave you, like, the, the courage to kind of dive in? After I left my previous job, I, I took a five-month break before coming to the MBA. And my partner, he had worked with me before, and him and I were like, all right, we, we want to start something. We want to leverage the fact that you are going to Boston. And he was staying back home. So we read a book that is called The Sprint, that is a very good book on how to evaluate new project opportunities very fast in five days. And we start evaluating multiple businesses, e-commerce, CPG, services. But then we really, when we thought through it, we, we, we didn't want a business that would focus on the Ecuadorian market because it's a 15 million people, one five. Uh, population and th this population actually people who have some purchasing power is only three million so it's really really small and obviously the size of the company that we want to build is we really want to reach a global market so we narrow down our options and we say okay what can we do related with Ecuador that can allow us to have a global market and that we can compete in a global market um, so under that mindset, we realized that Ecuador has a very strong competitive advantage in agricultural products. I mean, we have been the greatest exporters of many fruits, including bananas and passion fruits and several others and plus herbs. And, and you know, we have like so much biodiversity in our country that that's a competitive edge. So we said agro industry is where we want to get in. We, we didn't really think about the beverage industry by itself at that moment. We just thought we have to take advantage of the fact that Ecuador has this biodiversity. So all of this period of reflection happened before coming to the MBA. And during my first semester in the MBA, in all this ENO and, and all these classes in Babson, we started exploring multiple options. So uh, dry fruit, juices, cold-pressed juices, teas. And then we realized that there is one ancestral tradition in Ecuador that haven't been shared with the world yet and that it's very, very beneficial to your body, tastes amazing, and that probably could be an opportunity in the market. So we settled down on the product first and then we started doing the research if it would be viable to bring it to the market. And when we saw, we saw that the functional beverages is growing, has been growing steadily in the beverage market in the US and that even though it's a competitive, a competitive industry, you could probably bring some the market is ready for more authentic and more compelling brands and if you bring high quality products you could probably find a niche in the market so we settled down on that and then we started exploring how do we play in this industry and how do we win right and the, the way we did that is just talking to as many people as possible i would say in this one year we have talked to probably thousands of people in the cpg industry somehow professors and even classmates and now we we must say that i feel that we have learned so now we're we're ready to to keep growing waku is more than a beverage company i think to you and to me and kind of a part of your mission statement um you're really kind of creating a sustainable supply chain with these farmers can you walk me through 
the decision to do that and how that's shaped your business from the start? Yeah. So in Ecuador, there has been a lot of, let's, let's call it business abuse in the, in the past, um, century or decades. Um, it's a lot of abuse in terms of low-income people. Um, they uh, haven't really be tr been treated with respect and they haven't been, you know, affiliated to the social security and paid for um, their social security and things like that. So we grew up looking at these kind of greedy businessmen making money on the backs of others. So one very good book that I read before coming here and that actually then I took the class was Conscious Capitalism. And that really got into how we should do business. So since the very beginning, we have thought about WACU as a stakeholder-centric organization that not only cares about adding value to their shareholders, but to the entire ecosystem of business, including suppliers, customers, community environment, etc. So since the very early days, we thought that we could add value to society through business and uh, we wanted to establish a personal connection the same way we were doing with customers to our suppliers. So we took a trip through the Andes Mountains. We, we found this farmer's community. We connected with them personally. We stayed with them and we validated some hypotheses on what they were really wanting from a partner. And we realized that what they really want is to have a reliable business partner where we can actually confirm the amount of herbs we can buy from them and then commit to our words. And that's what we have been doing. They don't, they don't want charity. They don't want healthcare. They don't want education. They, they just want a fair opportunity to do business and be, treat, and be treated as a, as a partner. Um, and that's how we started. Now we source all of our ingredients directly from this farmer's community And we are now expanding all of these partnerships with them, growing and growing more families. I think this ties really well. On your website, it says that your name comes from the indigenous word for together. Mm -hmm. How does that kind of influence how you do business in this stakeholder model? I think it's, it's just like that. So we sometimes laugh because basically we have built this company together with all of the people around us. From customers, we have been actively co-creating everything with them. The community in the in the Babson community, in the Boston community, all of them have pitched in and helped us in a way. And the same way with our suppliers. I mean, we, as you said before, we had no experience in this industry. And when we, when we went to see these farmers, we had no clue on how to run the business in terms of sourcing these ingredients from them. So they actually taught us because we were humble enough to ask how is the best way to do it, right? So we feel like this company has been created together with all of them. So yeah, it's we're very connected in a deeper level with the name. Um, and we live that every day. Every entrepreneur starts somewhere. Are you looking for your beginning? The Blank Center for Entrepreneurship is where Babson's emerging entrepreneurs connect with the events, workshops, mentoring, and competitions that they need to build their businesses. This spring, the Blank Center will present its new venture competition, the Beta Challenge, which recognizes Babson businesses for taking action. Join the Babson community on Thursday, April 11th at the Beta Challenge finale and watch the top alumni and student teams compete for more than $200,000 in cash and prizes. To learn more, please visit www.babson.edu slash beta challenge. So once you have kind of validated some hypotheses and had your suppliers, 
What was what was the next step? How did you start launching this product? So the next step was to create the brand. That was the first thing um, that that we had to do. Um, we established first kind of the connections, right? So we established our sourcing. We established um, our process, kind of. We, we mapped our process. And then we said, okay, we need a brand. Um, so we created the brand, created the formulation of our products. And then the next step, and I think was one of the most hard ones throughout the development, was finding a reliable partner in manufacturing, uh, someone that, that would care about the quality of our product and then that would um, kind of match our requirements in terms of minimum order quantities and the level, the size of batches that we wanted to start with. So we took the ancestral recipe we learned from the farmers. We then scaled it worked with a food engineer to be able to scale it and with a chef and a nutritionist to be able to put it like in a, in a product itself. Um, my partner was handling all this process in Ecuador while I was opening doors in the U.S. trying to understand what would be the best strategy to go to market. Kind of at the peak of this development was the Summer Venture Program last summer. And I think that was the key point to culminate all this development process and be ready to launch. So multiple things happened throughout that development process. I mean, we changed manufacturers three times. Um, we had to. We were supposed to manufacture the product in the U.S. Then we changed it to Ecuador. So we had to learn how to import food and pass through all the FDA regulations. So it was not easy. But at the end of the day, it was a very, very interesting challenge. I mean, we set up an international supply chain in less than six months, and uh, I think that was really, really intense, but really interesting. It seems like kind of a rosy story of, you know, we launched, you guys probably started, what, like a year and a half ago, two years ago? I mean, in terms of ideation, we settled down on Waku on January 2017. We launched our crowdfunding campaign on June 2017. We are fully operational since October 2017. So what's been the biggest hurdle so far? I would say the biggest hurdle so far was... Uh, at the end of the of first semester in 2017, we were not ready to sign a contract with a manufacturing facility. Um, that took us almost two or three months, if I remember well. I, I think that was the, the most tricky part of the venture thus far. I'm, I'm lucky to say that we haven't really had that much challenge in distribution. The product is very well accepted in the Boston area. We just signed with a distributor. So sales, is we, we need to push right and word, but but it's working. So that part, the manufacturing part, was the, the biggest hurdle throughout the process. So at, the, at this point, if you could go back and change anything that you did, what was something you see as a major failure or just something you would change looking back now that you have the opportunity of hindsight? You know, it's a, it's a good question because I think we needed to go through that process to learn because those are very important lessons we learned that will be absolutely valuable as we grow our business. So I, I, I really wouldn't change anything, but um, probably I will have put our product in the market a bit earlier. So we kind of waited till we had like a commercially produced batch to put it in stores. Probably we could have started just brewing it ourselves in our kitchens and putting it in a bottle and, and selling in it. But since we understand that this is something that consumers will put into their bodies, we were really, really concerned about quality and we, we, we didn't want to compromise that. So probably that, but I'm not quite sure. I think we have, uh, 
we had gone through the stages that we need to to be able to really understand deeply the the, the business. So what's next? What is what is your goal for the next six months, year, two years? So the next year, this year, is just um, solidify our brand and our distribution in the Boston area. As I said, we just signed a deal with a distributor that uh, will allow us to grow to probably 250 new doors in the greater Boston area. Um, we're growing our team, really focused on sales right now, plus product development. We are um, developing two new products that we expect to launch throughout the summer. So we will have a full set of four SKUs to hit the summer that is actually our best season. And normally we'll be hitting $300,000 of sales this year. Um, we are actually fundraising, closing a round right now, a seed round um, this next month that will help us fuel this growth. Um, we have been experiencing two or three X of growth each month since we launched. So we are really, really excited about our growth. And then in terms of next year, again, more product development. I think um, we have a lot of space with the products that we have in Ecuador, plus uh, expanding our distribution into the New York City metro area. So how much of this do you think is your, in your partner's skill as, as businessmen? And how much do you think is a, is a luck factor in terms of like the right time to have a functional beverage and to be on the conscious of some people in terms of what they're putting in their bodies and having a locally sourced beverage. Yeah, so I was reading recently um, what are the most important factors for success when you launch a business and probably even even first, even before team, team is timing. Um, so we understand that timing, it's really, really, really important and we feel that we hit the market in the right timing. Actually, the top trend from the Whole Foods report is florals and botanicals, flavors and beverages. So we are right there on trend. But at the same time, we have been able to, to build up a very authentic brand and a very authentic set of products. So I think even we are riding a trend, we are building something that will last because we are connecting with consumers in a deeper level because we're real and because we're authentic in our brand. So of course, I would say we have some experience in launching businesses. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur almost 10 years, my partner also. And um, we have our, our network of advisors is very, very strong, people who have done this successfully before. So we have been able to surround ourselves with the right people so we can avoid some failures. But absolutely, there is luck involved um, in the process. So now that you're growing, you hit $300,000 in sales. How do you think about the security of your supply and is there enough there? And in terms of the long-term growth model, do you see yourself kind of sticking to the same sourcing method and how does that scale long-term? Yes. Yeah, so these first six months, while well, we were super focused on building distribution and sales, we were working really hard on streamlining our supply chain and getting efficiencies there. So we have worked hard in finding the right partners in, as, at a sourcing level because we understand that that can be a hurdle as we scale. So we are signing a new partnership with a processing facility in Ecuador that can help us scale the sourcing part and the processing part and helping us finding more efficiencies in that, in that area. So we, we source all, all of the ingredients and then we process them, that is drying them basically. Um, so in that area, we have found some efficiencies and we are partnering with more farmers from the same area with the same and, and working hard with understanding that we need all of our product, all of our ingredients to be organic and to use agroecology 
that is basically eliminating some herbicides and pesticides. This is a challenge. Um, we don't have the expertise in that area, but I think finding the right partners in the supply chain will help us to be there. And in terms of um, your, your second question was in the future, right? In ethical, we will keep our same business mindset as we grow. And um, I think one of the biggest challenges for founders is actually to stick to your core values as you continue to grow and, and more money and more people is involved. Um, but I think we have a good practice with our partners and it's that each time we have to do a strategic decision, we remember ourselves, why did we start it and how we want to do business. So having that, those core values up front each time we're making decisions help, um, help us to, to avoid going into different directions. So I think we will continue to use this um, ethical sourcing method throughout, throughout the, our journey. I don't think that should change. So if you could touch on a little bit, I remember seeing you at Tyler Gage's talk for Runa Tea. Mm -hmm. Can you walk me through like what inspiration you find from brands like Runa and Tyler? Yeah, so Runa inspired us at the very early days on the way how they were able to set up an uh, international supply chain from scratch. They were the first ones to actually commercialize Wayusa in the world. Um, so that was very inspiring. I've met uh, Dan longer than Tyler, and Dan was helpful at the beginning. In kind of, he guided us on how to set up the supply chain, provided some connections. So we're really grateful to them. I would say, in general, I would encourage all entrepreneurs to reach out to other people who have done the same, because you would be surprised on how many of them actually take the time to answer back to you and give you 30 minutes of their time to chat and to ask questions. So the same way we have done with Tyler and Dan from Runa, we have done it with uh, Seth from Honesty, with Diana from Health Aid Kombucha, and many, many others founders that all of them have guided us through this process. So yeah, I think I think that's it. What general advice would you give to somebody starting a venture at Babson or outside Babson? Talk to as much people as possible about your idea and eh? try to share with everyone what they're trying to do because you would be impressed on how much people want to help, really. Just a funny fact about myself, one of the CEOs that I admire the most in this industry is Diana Trout from Health Aid Kombucha. I mean, she's crushing it out there. And I reached out through her to her through Instagram, just saying, hey, I really like your brand. I really like what you're doing. We're doing this that is very similar and I would love to chat with you. She answered back. And now we have been chatting for the last months and uh it's just awesome to see that these people are really there. I mean, if you actually reach out, you will be surprised on how many people answer back and, and, and try to help. So my, my advice is reach out to everyone possible. And if you have some people that have inspired you and that are doing very good in the industry that you are getting into, reach out to them. They will probably answer back. I mean, the worst thing that could happen is that they don't answer. So uh, you have all the odds to win, basically. Thanks for listening to this week's Babson Built, where we showcase Babson entrepreneurs and founders. If you have a second, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. We take feedback seriously here at Babson Built, and it helps other listeners find us. If you know a Babson entrepreneur who should be featured, email us at babsonbuilt at gmail.com.